Good afternoon. It's 12 o'clock and welcome to the MoneyWeb at Mirai show. This show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, leaders in business. Well, my name is Raik van Niekerk and markets are a bit mixed today, uh, probably influenced by the contradictory signals from various sources uh, of how the potential trade war between Donald Trump and China will play out. Um, this led the U.S. markets last night to snap a three-day winning streak with the S&P 500 and Dow Jones shedding but, uh, 0.7% and 0.8% respectively. The JSC this morning is following suit, um, but it could also be due to poor mining production numbers that were released earlier today. And I'll speak to Simon Brown of Just One Lap in a minute for his insight into these and other news stories. Then some breaking news today. Dr. Stuart Theobald and his team at Intellidex compiled a 49-page report which analyzed the quality of the research conducted by Viceroy Research. Now, Viceroy Research is, of course, best known as the short seller who produced a report on Steinhoff um, days after the resignation of Marcus Euster and the implosion of Steinhoff's share price. And that was in a time where there was a desperate need for information of what went wrong at Steinhoff. And uh, that actually gave a lot of credibility to Viceroy Research. Um, and uh, the research report from uh, Stewart is not uh, very complimentary about Viceroy. And I hope to speak to him, uh, to Stuart Theobald, a bit later. But first, let's look at the indicators. The JSC is currently trading down 0.6%. Resources has lost around 0.9%. Industrials are down half a percent. Financials down 0.7%. While the gold index is also trading down 0.7%. A pretty red day on the local market. Um, let's look uh, at international markets. The uh, FTSE 100 is currently trading 0.6% higher. The DAX also higher 0.4%. Uh, to the good, the CAC 40 has also gained 0.3%. Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei gained 1.2%. Shanghai bounced back significantly, uh, increasing by 2.2%. Rather, The Hang Seng also uh, gained 0.6%. Let's look at some individual shares that are performing well. Ital Tile has gained 4%. Mediclinic up 2%. Kiro up 1.5%. Exaro, Liberty, and Roynet uh, up around 0.8%. On the downside, Kumba Iron Ore down 2.7%, Life Healthcare down 2.7%, Northern down 2.5%, and uh, Vodacom also lost 2%, as did Sapi. The Rand is currently trading at 13 Rand 47 against the dollar, 17 Rand 79 against the pound, and 15 Rand 72 against the euro. The uh, the dollar is trading um, at one dollar sixteen against the euro and one thirty two against the pound. Bitcoin is trading at six thousand one hundred and eighty six dollars or eighty seven thousand two hundred and seventy five rand, uh, down uh, around three percent. On the commodity market, gold is trading at one thousand two hundred and forty five dollars. Platinum at eight hundred and thirty four dollars. Brent crude also down seventy four dollars ninety seven. The R186 is trading at 8.76%. On the line is Simon Brown uh, from Just One Lap. Simon, welcome to the show. Uh, a mixed day on the market, and there seems to be really mixed signals of how this trade war will play out. 
<laughs> Afternoon, Rick. Absolutely. I think there are a couple of issues driving markets, uh, both globally, but also emerging markets, perhaps a little more in particular. Um, and one of those is definitely the trade war, which officially, uh, what, $34 billion as of midnight last Friday. Um, and, and we're largely in unknown. I mean, the immediate response from markets, you know, Friday was positive, Monday, Friday in the U.S., Monday locally was a good day. But the markets are taking a bit of a jaundiced view and saying, truthfully, we, we don't know how this ends up playing out. And, 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 and that, that's not a, a bad response to it at this point. We, we don't know. And it's not just because uh, President Trump is, is, is you know, one never knows what he's going to say from the next minute to the next. Um, and when he does say something, if he means it or not. But trade wars in and themselves are complex beasts uh, and often end up being a lot more, a lot bigger than they than they started. If we look at the, the Smoot-Hawley from the 1930s, which was the last significant trade war, it literally started with two products on their list and ended up with over 20,000 products on the, the list of, 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 of products for, for, for extra tariffs. And how did that play out? Well, poorly. I mean, the 30s was the Great Depression, and and, and in truth, there's a lot more to it than 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 you know, the depression came from a lot else than just the smooth Orly. But what we saw was a couple of things: was that the 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 economic fraternity globally and in the U.S. got very spooked by it. And one of the things that they changed was the right of Congress to to impose tariffs, and they took it, they gave it to the president instead. Because this had been a congressional, and, and they were, and I forget, one of them was, was, was Lamb's Wool, and I forget what the second product was. But it really was two congressmen who were trying to protect their, their own sort of voting district, and it, it spiraled out of control. Um, and subsequent to that, they gave the authority to the... I seem to have uh, lost Simon uh, and on the line. Let's uh, just have another look at the markets. Um, the all share uh, still trading down around 0.6%. Resources, uh, the main uh, victim, down nearly 1%. Industrials have lost around half a percent, while financials are down uh, 0.7%. Not a happy day on the markets at all. Um, on the contrary, in, in Europe, the FTSE 100 trading up 0.6%. The DAX has gained 0.4%, while the CAC 40 also 0.3% higher. The Nikkei earlier in uh, Southeast Asia trading uh, up 1.7%, while Shanghai high saw a significant bounce uh, 2.2 percent but that was after there was some pressure on the shanghai exchange not too long ago the Hang Seng currently or well, as such uh, closed it's uh, closed up 0.6 percent simon uh, are you back yes i'm back thank you simon just um the uh jse reported um uh, today that the uh uh, inflows into bonds uh, was around uh, half a billion, 500 million in the past week, while uh, the outflow from equities uh, minus, uh, well, 1.1 billion um, actually flowed back from, well, out of the JC from foreigners. We are seeing a, a seesaw here. Some months uh, we are performing well, some not. And is this not maybe overanalyzed? And, uh, you know, attributed to uh, foreigners' perspectives of South Africa. I, I think you're spot on. I, I think the big trends are absolutely important. And, and if you look at, you know, the longer term trends and what's happened over the last couple of years, 
those are significant. But but foreign asset managers in, in, in Europe or North America, wherever they may sit, um, are going to be buying and selling our equity for, for a bunch of different reasons. Some of them because of internal reasons. Some of them, truthfully, because in Turkey, you know, the president put his son as a finance minister and they're just like, oh, emerging markets must leave and, and we fall under that brush and get tainted at the same time. Bonds typically are, are less volatile, but certainly you know, the ease of moving money around the world these days as an asset manager is easy. Um, it's literally a few clicks of a button and the money's home or the money's sent offshore, wherever the case may be. Um, and, and my sense is the data is important, but on a you know on a week by week, it's not telling us a heck of a lot. And you know, 500 million, you know, our, our market does about 15 billion on, on, on a quiet day. 500 million is, is, is not massively significant, and it's much more important to see what that trend has been over time. Unfortunately, the trend over the last couple of years has been uh, foreigners' net sellers mostly of our bonds and of our equities. Yeah. Um, economic news out today, mining production decreased by 2.6% year-on-year in May, um, and uh, the expectation was minus 4.6%. So although not positive, um, it's still above um, expectations. Um, but there's a growing uh, you know, reference to the big R word, recession. Um, that South Africa, which is expected to grow by around 1.8% at the beginning of the year, there has been some downward revisions by several research research houses to around 1.4%. But uh, the, we don't see the buoyancy or the you know positive economic performances in key sectors. Uh, wh- what do you make of this? Yeah, we absolutely don't. And if we look at that first GDP number, minus 2.2, yes, there were some... You know, some anomalies in it, particularly around agriculture, but the point is it was negative. And if we get a second quarter, uh, the, the quarter Q, which is sorry, quarter two, which would have ended in June as negative, we're in a technical recession. And a lot of what I think we had hoped would help us come through, uh, you know, slight uplift in growth perhaps and the like and consumer spending and the lower inflation um, has been offset by, by VAT increases, by fuel increases, um, by a consumer who who's feeling very despondent. Um, and, and I think, you know, quite potentially we, we, we would perhaps slip into, into recession by getting that second quarter negative. I still think that the likelihood is more that we will get a positive number, but even if it's positive, you know, these are technical phrases. If our growth comes in at 0.1% for the second quarter, technically we're not in a recession, but that's not a number which is going to see us dancing in the streets and, and excited about how the economy is. Uh, we're struggling. We're struggling in manufacturing. Uh, agriculture will likely bounce back. Uh, but you know, the rains have returned, and, and, and apart from the rest of Cape, the rest of the country was producing. Uh, mining is, is still under pressure, driven in part by safety stoppages, uh, but driven in part by, by commodity prices that, you know, particularly gold and platinum, which are our two big sectors, the commodity prices aren't coming to the party. We've got platinum stuck sub-900. We've got gold stuck around 1250. Uh, and at both of those prices, very few, if any, of our mines are, are, are profitable at, at current exchange rates. Yeah. Um, did you see the report from Stuart Theobald and his team at Intellidex about the quality of the Viceroy research? It was released earlier today. There is a press conference on the uh, on the go at the moment by Business Leadership South Africa. We don't know what has been said there, but but have you seen this? And uh, and if so, what do you make of it? 
Yeah, I, I read the report. I read it uh, early this morning, about 48 pages. I, I got two broad thoughts. I mean, the, the one broad thought is that there almost seems to be a – there's two types of, of, of investors in the market. Typically, there's your long-only investors, which is the vast majority, and then there's your short sellers who are – few hedge funds and then the vice versa of the like. And they almost, I'm bemused by the, 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 the desire to, to discredit vice versa, you know, with respect to, 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 to the commissioners of the report and the like. Um, a healthy market has short sellers. It absolutely does. It's an important component. Um, but, you know, we don't ever, we don't, we don't very often sort of go and do research reports on, on the long only houses that we have. Uh, more broadly, and not just in South Africa, but obviously globally. But in terms of the report itself, I mean, Viceroy, uh, to a degree, has been a, a one or two trick pony. One of the things in this report is a lot of the Steinhoff data was uh, perhaps uh, was perhaps taken from from uh, a third party and not their own original research, which obviously raises some issues and the like. Um, but it, you know, in the case of short sellers, it really is, a, you know, don't ever knee-jerk respond and say, Viceroy said, and therefore, it's a case of doing your own homework. And I think Capitec is a case in point where the report that they put out was not very much on new information, uh, and the share has come down, but it's, it's kind of trading in the 800s, which is only slightly below where it was just as that report came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's judged them on their quality. You know, Steinhoff, yes, they, they got it right with or without third-party help, but every individual report needs to be judged on its on its individual standing rather than, well, it's Viceroy or whoever it might be, and therefore it has legitimacy. We need to always dig behind the scenes. Thank you, Simon. That was Simon Brown from Just One Lab. On the line now is Raymond Schlaker. He is attending the press conference uh, from Business Leadership South Africa on this topic. Uh, Stuart is still busy with a uh, Q&A, and we hope to speak to him later. Um, but, Ray, um, what was the topic of discussion at this press conference? Absolutely right. And, um, well, Business Leadership South Africa says, it's, it's, you know, the report is not only about uh, short selling, but the phenomenon of uh, short selling in particular um, in an era of what it calls um, the spreading of fake news. We know that um, short selling is an age-old practice. It's been done for many years. It has, it's, a, it's, it's an act that ha- creates um, wealth for many uh, people in the, in the financial markets, in financial markets in the financial sector as well. But um, essentially what uh, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Bonang Mahale said is that um, it's, it's, it has undertaken the report to educate the public about short selling and the mechanics um, as well um, of, of short selling. Um, and really what, what the report draws down into is the characters behind Viceroy. Um, Intellidex says that um, the three uh, individuals that are behind uh, Viceroy are individuals who do not have any financial ex- uh, experience or financial market expertise as well. And um, it makes a damning um, uh, allegation that Viceroy actually plagiarized on uh, a Steinhoff report. Um, we know that in, earlier in December that um, the Steinhoff report uh, shot Viceroy to prominence. And um, basically what Intellidex is saying is that um, other reports might also be plagiarized as well. So what Business Leadership South Africa says that now that this report has been concluded, it has been handed over to uh, regulators such as the SSCA, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, which is previously known as the FSB, and the JSE as well, um, uh, you know, to, to give the 
the findings of the the report. Um, but basically, the long and short of it is that um, Business Leadership South Africa says that its intentions was to create better better transparency and um, basically, um, you know, educate the public about how short selling works. Yeah, why? Is the Business Leadership South Africa organization hosting this press conference and not maybe the JSC or some regulator? It, it seems a bit at odds. Yeah. Well, if you remember the mandate of Business Leadership South Africa, it, it represents the voice of business. So it has um, members such as Capitec, Standard Bank, um, you know, and other various JSC listed companies. So um, it represents the, the various interests um, within the business sector as well. Um, so, you know, it seems like, you know, it's the last body or the last body that that um, represents the views of business. Um, but but it does seem that the Business Leadership South Africa has engaged the JSC and the SSCA on, on short selling, but um, it seems like they're coming out um, uh, strongly against, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, short selling um, that is not done ethically. So um, in short, um, business, business Leadership South Africa is the voice of business after all. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting uh, scenario where, you know, one unknown research house can actually move the market as it did. Um, Stuart uh, Theobald says in the research that uh, it's probably due to the timing more than anything else. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, and actually professional investors have reacted so, you know, um, aggressively on it. Um, Ray, I'm going to leave you there. Stuart Thielbalt uh, is on the line, the author of the report. Um, Stuart, uh, you know, I've just spoken to Ray Mishlaka, who gave a, a nice background to the report. Um, but, uh, you know, what are the main findings uh, you can highlight uh, which uh, investors should, should take away from, from this report? Uh, so, I think... You know, our investigation was to understand uh, short selling and to understand the impact of Viceroy. Uh, I um, I think the clear findings are, number one, that Viceroy has really been able to have an impact because of its uh, report on Steinhoff that uh, came into the market when there was really no other information about to explain what had happened with Steinhoff. Uh, and it has developed a reputation and influence because of that. I think, however, that uh, that reputation is unearned. And I say that for the following reason. The Steinhoff report that Viceroy published was substantially plagiarized. It was plagiarized from work by another hedge fund that had actually been published six months earlier. Uh, and uh, that was indeed good work. Uh, uh, but it was not... Uh, I mean, it was not Viceroy's work. So even rumors that it was doing work would move share prices. When it did eventually publish its report on Capitec, it had a big impact, uh, at least in the short term, on the Capitec share price. So that influence then moved prices. But if you look critically at the research and actually read the reports, we find that there's a distinct lack of quality in those reports. So it's full of ad hominem uh, you know, claims about individuals. There's very little proper financial analysis. There are obvious mistakes in interpretation. And there are claims that we think are just patently untrue and that Viceroy must have known were untrue. Uh, so the reports are of a very low quality. So I think the, the main point is uh, that Viceroy's 
uh, sign-off report, which had such an impact on the market, was not their work, uh, and that subsequent reports have really been of a low quality. But that begs the question, why did so many investors react to it, and uh, especially, you know, fund managers and uh, professional investors? I think that's a good question, and I think that those professionals uh, had an obligation to really examine the research and the claims in the research. But uh, we all get taken in by a good story. When Viceroy published its sign-off report, it was anonymous. There was lots of speculation. There was a kind of mythology that was created. But when Viceroy was later exposed, I think, uh, you know, thanks to good work done by MoneyWeb, uh, uh, we discovered that the people behind it were uh, a former social worker who had been disbarred for dishonesty and two 24-year-old Australians that that kind of... uh, really was very different to the mythology that had been created of the kind of uh, uh, big Wall Street uh, market gurus. Uh, and we didn't, we didn't really uh, change our, you know, the, the myth sort of existed to some extent and continued to exist. So I think uh, now professional investors and markets need to come back down to earth and, and understand uh, who these people really are. Mm. But what, what can the consequences be uh, for you know, putting out such reports? Uh, Look, I think that it's extremely complex and in a way regulators are still trying to catch up with how social media affects the flow of information. Social media makes it possible for spurious claims to spread like wildfire. And uh, if those claims are being made with the intention of manipulating market prices, uh, it's it's very hard to, to, to do anything about that. I think that there are very difficult sort of, if you like, philosophical questions about this kind of research. It might be the case that Viceroy genuinely believes a company is worth less than it is. Uh, however, its report doesn't contain good evidence for its belief. So it uh, has the belief, but um, uh, it its evidence simply doesn't support the belief. So its belief, if you like, is is poorly founded. In those cases, it's very difficult uh, to decide whether there's anything happening that's actually legal. It's really just poor research uh, and beliefs that are based on poor evidence. Uh, If a company or a researcher knows that what they're publishing is false, that's a different story. Then they're publishing it with the purpose of manipulating the market. Uh, and there, uh, at least in theory, there is uh, something illegal happening. Now, the problem is telling the difference between that case where they, they know that they're publishing false information and a case where they have a genuine belief, even if their information doesn't support that belief. Uh, it's an extremely difficult and tricky area, and I think regulators are still grappling with that, and, and this is a problem for regulators all over the world, not only South Africa. Mm. Um, Viceroy has uh, responded to your research. It um, published a statement, uh, which we will publish on the MoneyWeb website in a minute. Um, But it just states that, you know, they expect their work to be treated with the same skepticism as that of any party. And uh, they have advocated the quality of the due diligence. Um, You know, that responsibility, you know, still remains with readers. Um, So, as you say, you know, if the intent was uh, to disrupt the market, it's a total different story than just putting poor and plagiarized research into the market. 
Uh, yes, it is a, a different story. I haven't yet seen uh, uh, Viceroy's uh, re- report. Um, you know, if they say that they want to be uh, scrutinized like other researchers, well, you know, that's, uh, uh, that, that's great. That's what we've done. Just lastly, uh, Stuart, why did you do this research? So we were commissioned to do the research by Business Leadership South Africa. They asked us to do it. I think, uh, uh, I think you can uh, ask them why, but uh, from my understanding, they were concerned about uh, Viceroy's research. There were uh, lots of talk in the markets. The Reserve Bank and the National Treasury had called it irresponsible, and they wanted to understand what was going on. Now, we accepted the uh, commission on the basis that our work was fully independent, uh, that we would deliver our, our the results of our research and that we can find uh, either positively or negatively about Viceroy. We certainly do not commit to any pre- preconceived conclusions. And, uh, and, and we did deliver our work independently. Um, so uh, that, I think, is, uh, you know, the, the, the background to doing the research. Just an interesting tweet here. Uh, Stuart, do you know how much or do you have a sense of how much money Viceroy made uh, off the uh, Steinhoff report? So it's a very interesting question. There's very little transparency about how Viceroy actually makes his money. So it claims to have exposures to the stocks, or at least it says in its report it might have exposures to the stocks uh, the way a typical hedge fund does. But we know that Viceroy is not registered or it appears, as far as we can find out, that it's not registered with any uh, fund uh, regulator. So uh, as a result of that, it wouldn't be able to open the trading accounts that a a hedge fund would normally be able to have and to operate, uh, because it wouldn't comply with anti-money laundering regulations. So if it is making money out of trading these stocks, it must be the individuals behind it that are doing so, not uh, Viceroy in itself. Uh, but we do note in our report that Viceroy occupies a kind of ecosystem of many other hedge funds and short sellers, and they're constantly interacting with each other. Uh, and we think that Viceroy, uh, in effect, acts as a kind of publicity uh, seeker for uh, other funds, or at least for about companies that other funds have positions in. And that Viceroy might be receiving some kind of remuneration based on the value it creates for those other hedge funds. So that might be the kind of business model at work here, but there's very little transparency about it. Thank you, Stuart. That was Dr. Stuart Thiebold uh, of Intellidex, who compiled a 49-page document entitled Investment Research in the Era of Fake News. And uh, this uh, report analyzes the quality of Viceroy's research, the uh, short seller that produced uh, reports on Steinhoff and Capitec, which influenced their share prices. The full report is available on the MoneyWeb website, which is moneyweb.co.za. But unfortunately, this is all we have time for. The show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, leaders in business. And that's it for this edition of the MoneyWeb Admiral Show. My name is Rijk van Kerk, and thank you for tuning in. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saiga.co.za. 